Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night shir. <coughs> we continue the Ilan Nishmas, although we finished Kaddish already, third bus, Moshe Koin, Shmubak Yakub Moshe. May all the Nishamas have Elias. The Guta Betas for the Mishpachas. Tonight is Yud Dalid Kislev. The 14th day of Kislev, the wedding anniversary of the Rebbe and the Rebbetson. Interestingly, the Rebbe being the son of Reb Levi Yitzchok, Reb Levik, Reb Sinchana. From his birth, the Rebbe Rashab, meaning the previous Rebbe's father, or better put, the Rebbe Sinchayimushka's grandfather, would always say that Levik's oldest boy should marry Chaim Mushka. <coughs> and actually, at the wedding, Friedrich Rebbe sent a telegram. He asked Chachafegin to send a telegram to the Rebbe, to the Rastov to notify with a pan by his oil to notify the Rabbi Rashab that his wish is fulfilled. Then Adam will discuss it a little bit later. More details of the wedding, preparations, etc. The fact that Ablevik was exiled from Yakatrinislav and ultimately Taumata, Kazakhstan, and was not allowed to attend the wedding of his firstborn son. The Shabbos, Spashva Yishlach. Shabbos, we say, is minim is baruch ve'kuli amen. All the days are blessed of the week by Shabbos. Which week? Both. The week prior and the week after. Minim is baruch ve'kuli amen. All those weeks, both those weeks are blessed. Hence, we've been blessed past Shabbos for this week. And this coming Shabbos will bless all our endeavors that took place this past week. This coming Shabbos also will bless the forthcoming week. And in Yetz Hashem next week, we celebrate the Chag HaChagim Yutes Kislev. 
Yutes Kislev known as the Reish Hashanah Lachasidos. Yutes Kislev, the day that the Alter Rebbe was released from prison. And therefore Yutes Kislev was a day that we all saw, and all the Chassidim saw, the miracles, we experienced tremendous miracles, the Alter Rebbe who had been sentenced to death, merited, we merited to see the Alter Rebbe, Chassidim merited to see the Alter Rebbe again, and the Alter Rebbe led the Chassidim for several years thereafter. We're also coming up to Hanukkah. Yitzhak Kisavari is telling us it's Hanukkah in the air. Samyat Shem, the following week will be Hanukkah. Next Sunday, Samyat Shem is Tess Zayin. This is the birthday of a little boy. Third birthday, we see much nachas from Yonatan, from his sisters and his parents. Let us begin to focus on this very, very large parasha of Ayishlach, which is an extremely, extremely full, full parasha. Yaakov sent Malach. Yaakov sent angels. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim Lefonov. Yaakov sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother. We've spoken before. Yaakov's concerns. Where Yaakov says, Hatzileni no yes, is a little prayer. Save me, please, Rabbi Nishalaylam. Miad ochi miad Esav from my hand of my, the hand of my brother, the hand of Esav. Now, it's repetitious. Because in history we look back and we see that Yaakov had his twin, Esav. We don't have any other brothers that were born to Yitzchak and Rivka. So, who is he actually referring to? If not Ochi, Esav, Ochi is the same one. And we explained the concern of a father. Hatzileni, now save me, please. Miad Ochi from my hand, the hand of my brother. In event that Esav comes to meet us now and walks over to my children and pinches their cheeks and says, Ah! Come to the fatter, come to your uncle Esav. I'm your tati's brother. Whew. Save me from the hand of my brother. God forbid he should act like an uncle to my children. I don't need that. Umiyad Esav. 
and of course from the hand of Esau. Needless to say, the hand of Esau is worse than the hand of, ya- of, of his Achi. No, it was not. To Yaakov, they were both equal threats. Whether he comes as Esau who wants to kill me physically, whether he comes as my brother who wants to destroy my family spiritually, they are equally detrimental, equally dangerous, and equally I want to avoid them. Not just avoid them, I want to be rescued from them. I want to be rescued from both Esau and of my brother. Yaakov sends Malachim, Yishtach Yaakov Malachim, he sends angels. That's a literal translation. One would not imagine Yaakov had a repertoire of angels to send to dispatch at his disposal. After all, angels are in heaven. So Yaakov didn't just whistle and say, okay angels, go see Esav. So the angels, each time a person does a mitzvah, we know that they create a malach, an angel. Yaakov was now utilizing the angels that he created with his mitzvahs. Yaakov is notifying Esau that he is returning from Chorob. But, common sense again dictates, when you say, V'yishlach Yaakov, Malochim Lefonov, he sent messengers before him, it more than likely dictates that they were men, they were human beings. But yet, Rashi turns around and takes the word Malochim and says Malochim Mamish. True Malochim. Real Malochim. Yaakov sent godly angels. No more, no less. The Mazritche Magid, the holy Mazritche Magid, who also Aside for Yitzchakisle being the great the great Chag Shabbat for the Alter Rebbe, Chassidus say that in Rashan of the Chassidus is also the yard site of the Mazritche Magid, and the Shabbos before his yard site, which was also Pashas, that year was Pashas by Yishlach, he said the following. Rashi explains it means Malachim Mamish. And I will tell you what is the word mamish. word mamish means the essence of the angels. But the spiritual part of the angels stayed by Yaakov. He sent whatever physical essence can come down from the angel on this physical world, that's what he sent. But the spiritual part stayed by him. Okay. So says the Mazitche Magid. We know, of course, 
Mezid Shemagid was the Talmud of the Baal Shem HaKadosh and more so was the student was the teacher of the Alter Rebbe let us dissect the explanation of the Mezid Shemagid this concept that Yaakov sent to Esau angels from above and not people proves to us that the intention was that the Malachim, these angels reveal such sanctity such holiness that they bring out the holiness and the greatness of Esau Okay? And they elevate Asaph. And they purify Asaph. For such a thing, for such a mission, we need actual angels. They are the Balekhechis. They are the ones that have the potential, the power and the greatness to be able to do that. Whereas, regular people would not have been able to accomplish this. How, therefore, would they be able to purify, elevate, and bring Esau to his fullest potential if they were not in their fullest? If they're only their mamish went and not their ruchnius, not their spiritual. Another thing, how is it even possible to separate the mamish of an angel, the body of an angel? The angel doesn't have a body. And besides which, the human per- the human being is a body with an ashama, the soul. Take the soul out and if no body, the body can do nothing. It's non-functionable. So he took the soul out of the angel and he only said the physical essence of the angel. It didn't even, it couldn't even possibly exist. So therefore we must say, no, the angels went physically 
fully, full-fledged angels. Gufum, Nafshum. And their journey was in such a way that even when they left Yaakov and they reached Esav, they were still attached, connected to Yaakov. Even as they were sitting with Esav, it was recognizable. And they were not with the wicked Esau, but they were actually with Yaakov Avinu. As the Baal Shem Tov explains, Mokim, Shiritzayne Shaladim Shamunimtza. Where a person's want or machshava is, a thought is, that's where he is. And when it's little Talmud, the little boy was sitting during his studies, looking out the window, instead of listening attentively to his studies, the Bashemta said, it's better you should sit outside and look in than sit inside and look out. Because as you sit inside and look out, that's where you are, you're outside, you're playing in the yard, you're running around in the grass. But you're not here with us. Whereas, if you're sitting outside and looking in, your mind is inside of the classroom. And therefore their Metzius was by Esav, but only to fulfill the Shlichus. They were in essence connected with Yaakov still. This therefore takes the explanation of the Mazich Magid a step deeper. Malachim Mamish they can save, they can be successful in their mission spiritually. However, spiritually needs to be attached to the source, to Yaakov. And they cannot alter, they cannot change, they cannot deviate. They must remain totally attached. This shlichus of the angels is the message to each and every one of us in this world. For all generations. Just like Yaakov Avinu sent to the sent to Esav, Malachim Mamish, in order to elevate him, in order to purify him, HaKadosh Baruch who sends our holy neshamas into the world into the holy soul, into each and every Jew, into the physical, mundane world, in order to purify it and elevate it. Yaakov Avinu teaches us, how does one succeed in his shlichus, when his mamish of his neshama, is working on the world, When the main Ruchnius remains attached always to Kedusha, to holiness. And this is the Shlichus that we are given our generation. We need to go out there, we need to spread the Teda. The wellsprings of Teda's Chassidus. And the Shliach needs to be constantly attached to his source. 
the Mishaleach, the Yaakov. And then he is guaranteed success. When he goes out to the world, he doesn't allow... The lowering himself. He doesn't allow, God forbid, to lower his spiritual standards. He does not compromise on his spiritual standards. And when one takes that approach, they succeed in elevating and purifying everything and everyone. And they will be the forefronters and the forerunners of bringing Mashiach to Canaan. So Yaakov's message to Esav Im Lovon Garti I lived with Lovon Vahili Sheva Chamer Tzem Vevet Veshivchan I have a shir an ox a donkey a servant and a maid servant Oh I'm sorry Sheep, servant, I mean servant. Twenty years I lived with Esav, with Lovon. Yaakov tells Esav. And Rashi says, two explanations in Lovon Garti. One says, I lived with him for twenty years, And I was a stranger there at all times. I never really... I never took citizenship. I never took up residency on a permanent basis. As a matter of fact, I never lied down in a bed. For the 20 years, says Yaakov. Then Rashi adds, Garti are the same letters as Tav, Reish, Yud, Gimel. Gimel, Reish, Tof, Yud. Same letters interchanged. Atof, Reish, Yud, Gimel, 613 mitzvahs of the Torah. And Lovon, Garti, Vitayag, Mitzvah, Shomarti. I lived with Lovon, and I kept the mitzvahs. You may think, that I was not a foreigner because I amassed such wealth I amassed oxen, donkeys, flocks manservants, maidservants and I tell you no I always this all this always remained foreign to me it never became my natural home the fact that he viewed himself as a stranger to love him, and everything that Lovin represented was in truth the interpretation of him Lovin Garti Tayag Mitzvah Shamarti that I kept the 613 mitzvahs because I'm telling you I lived with the wicked Lovin and this Arashi finishes off and I still kept the 613 commandments I did not learn from his evil deeds Yaakov's success at maintaining 
the observance of the 613 mitzvahs was of his only success was because of his resolve that his relationship with material matters forever remain foreign to him. Therefore, never allowed it to disturb his worship of God, his commitment to God, his service to God, his dedication, his devotions. And so he could proudly say that despite 20 years in Lovell's company, I kept my 613 mitzvahs. <laughs> we asked a question this week. With that disaster, I scratched my head and I said, you know what? We're very careful what we say. We need to be very careful what we say. Especially, one may not talk lush and horror. You may not talk slander about another person. And it doesn't matter if a person is Jewish or not Jewish. You can't slander somebody. So the question becomes, why is Yaakov adding these words that although Lovan is a wicked man, I live, I lived there and I survived him and I overcame him. So one person said as a joke, please, the tzaddik that campaigns about Lashon Hara is the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim is very, very, wrote many svarim on Lashon Hara. And I said once to Chafetz Chaim, in his old age, people, things start to not function the way they used to. And he accumulated wax in his ears. And that affects the hearing. So he went to the doctors to see why he doesn't hear well. And they said, you have wax in your ears. We can remove it. You'll be fine. He said, no, 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 no. All my life I strived not to hear Lashonara. This is amazing. Heaven sent, God sent. To me avoiding hearing Lashonara. Anyway, this, so someone made a joke and said that this Pasuk is before the Chavetz Chaim. And therefore it's not a problem. But the fact is, no. Yaakov is giving a different message to Esav. Esav, we all know you're no tzaddik. Although Esav was like the, the Chazer, the pig. The pig knows that an animal to be kosher needs to have split hooves and chew, <coughs> and chew its cud. Chewing its cud, you don't necessarily notice, you could notice if you see the, the animal chewing over and over and over. But split hooves, if you don't got, you don't got. But the pig does have split hooves, it doesn't, does not chew its cud. And therefore, when the pig sits, it makes sure that the feet stick out. They jut out. And thereby displaying his split hooves to try to show the people how kosher he is. The other white meat. 
I know what your status is, unfortunately. I know how not holy you are, shall we say. And I know what you would want to do to me and to my family. So I will tell you, Esav, I hung out with worse. Lovon is as bad, if not worse, than you. And I overcame anything he threw at me. So therefore I'm telling you, Esav, it's not worth trying. I got this. Lovon didn't get me, you're not getting me. So it's not that he was talking Lush and about Lovon. He was telling Esav the message that I lived with Lovon for 20 years and I'm not anything like him. Nothing that he had rubbed off on me. Later the Pasha tells us Yaakov's daughter Dina Vatetze Dina Basleya Asheyoldo Yaakov Dina is Bibnei Saoretz Dina the daughter of Leah that was born to Yaakov went out to see the daughters of the land and we know how awfully that turned out for her. People of Shechem were not uh, very welcoming. At Kalekach, they decided, you know, that they wanted to marry her. But did terrible things before. They abducted her. Rashi says, why did the Pasuk say, Dina, the daughter of Leah? And Rashi explains, because Dina inherited her mother's social nature. And therefore, we say Dina bas Leah, because she ventured out. Leah also was an outgoer. Pasuk says, Vayetze Leah Likrasi. Leah went out to greet him. So therefore, Rashi in essence is saying, like mother, like daughter. On the surface, it looks like when you say, like mother, like daughter, these two outgoers was not exactly a good thing. Terry speaks about it, in other words, disapprovingly. They were excessive for the Torah standard of modesty. A Jewish woman stays to herself. Doesn't go out there. We know, though, 
that the Torah goes to great lengths not to speak badly about someone or something. Habehemash, if you keep your score at home, one of the places is Baba Basra, 123 side A, also in the beginning of Psachim, 3 side 1. Where the Gemara uses extra words, not just extra letters, extra words to describe a non kosher animal. Instead of saying Behema Atmeya, this is Behema Ashere Nena Tahira. Extra words in order not to speak in a foul, in a bad regard. So then, will the Tahira go out and say this to degrade? Dina and associating with layers unless it was a praise, not criticism. Just as Leah's motives were admirable, she went out, she desired and was seeking means to increase numbers of the tribes. That's what she was going out for. So Dina's intentions were noble as well. What were Dina's intentions in that case? Yaakov prepared his family to meet Esau. He hid Dina in a crate because Yaakov was concerned that Esau would see her and want to marry her. And Yaakov was punished for that later. Because had Dina married Esav, perhaps, perhaps, maybe, she could have influenced that wicked Esav to the positive. And if that were not the case, he would not have been punished for hiding her. So Dina, in other words, had a remarkable character. It meant that she, more than likely, was the only one that could have succeeded in transforming the wicked Esav, had she been given the opportunity. And now we therefore understand where Dina was walking around. Like mother, like daughter. She had the ability, she had the language to talk and to bring people under the fold. She had gone out to talk to to the other girls of the generation and to teach them Yaakov's holy ways. And so therefore, just like Dina went out with the purest intentions, so so too did, just like Leah did, so too did Dina. Well, we said, the people of Shechem violated Dina. And two of Dina's brothers, Shimon and Levi, said, we're not standing for this. And they went out to Shechem, and they said, what are you doing? What do you think you just did to our sister? you're violating her you're making her into God forbid a woman of a woman of ill repute 
That doesn't fly. And I said, you know, no, 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 God forbid it, we want to marry her. You want to marry our sister, a daughter of Yaakov Avinu? Yes. I said, but you're not Jewish. Okay, what do we have to do? Well, first things first, you have to have a bris milah. Circumcision. Okay. So no, no, not just you, the whole city. All the men need to be circumcised. If that's what it takes, that's what it's going to take. And Shem, and the father, got the entire city to do circumcision. On the third day after the bris, when the pain is the most, is the worst, as they say, on that third day, Shimon and Levi paid a visit and they said not only is there a circumcision happening here there's a slaughter happening as well and they killed the entire town because they were weak from the bris the pasuk tells us Achidina the two sons of Yaakov, Shimon and Levi, the brothers of Dina, took in their hands Ish Charboy, each man a sword. By year they came to the city Betach, very confident, and they killed all the male. They slew every male. Wow. So Shimon and Levi, Yaakov's sons, are being referred to as Ish, a man. And the Medish calculates and says, well, this story took place 13 years after the birth of Levi. So Levi had just turned a mitzvah. And we say the 13-year-old It was Levi, the younger one. And Shimon was, of course, older. But we are saying, therefore, that the 13-year-old is called Ish. He had maturity like an adult. And this is one of the sources that the Tater cites and establishes 13 years the age of maturity. But a boy that becomes a mitzvah, he becomes, according to the terror, responsible to observe the mitzvahs. Ironically though, this context here, where Levi is being referred to as an ish, a man, mature man at that, he wasn't exactly acting in level-headedness. It wasn't a level-headedness that comes with maturity. He and Shimon react very heatedly here, as a matter of fact, to the Shem's exploitation of their sister. They attack the city, they put their own lives in grave danger. 
and they kill the entire city. This unusual source for the age of Bar Mitzvah, the fact that here, because they were not killed a whole town, therefore we see 13 years old, is mature. Thank you. Doesn't necessarily reflect properly how the mitzvah observance, the responsibility, starts at thirteen. Yeah, can't give you the obligation. I can't put on you the the onus to observe mitzvahs. If you're not intellectually, emotionally mature, you're not a man. But understanding and discernment are only the tools, not the foundation. When one needs to serve God, the foundation is Kabbalah Seil. Accepting of the yoke of heaven. Submitting yourself to God's will with the commitment that transcends, that transcends understanding and reason. So the terror therefore alludes to Levi and Shimon's adulthood in an episode of Shechem. Why? Their actions ultimately demonstrated their capacity for critical judgment. It stood firmly on the foundations of Kabbalah's hill. Submission to a higher cause. So when they defended their values, it necessitated even personal risk, God forbid, self-sacrifice, abnegation. They readily put their own interests aside, their own lives aside, and each took his sword. in defense of their sister. Yaakov takes his children, his family, and he crosses the Yardim. When he goes back to get the last things, middle of the night, he meets up no more no less, an angel. And they grapple, and they fight. And Yaakov stays in it, blow by blow. Finally, as the day was rising, the day was breaking, it says the ace of asked to be the angel asked to be released to go back to the heavens because it's time to serve God the way the angels do. This angel actually was the essence of Asaph. 
And Yaakov fights it. And Yaakov says, but tell me, what is your name? And he says, the Lord, not necessary for you to know, but Yaakov merited something new here. Before the angel parts, besides that he touched his Gidanoshe, which is on the socket of the hip, the vein, and crippled him, basically. Aside for that, he also told him, Lo Yaakov Yomar Eishim Chokim Yisrael. He blesses him and says, No longer your name will be Yaakov, it will be Yisrael. Why? Kisarisim Elikim Vimanoshim Vetuchal. Yisrael comes from the Lashon Sarisa, you conquered, you won, you stayed in stride by stride with an angel. <laughs> but yet we call him sometimes Yaakov and sometimes Yisrael. And there's no problem. Whereas, when Avram Avinu is given the name Avraham, we're not allowed to call him Avram. We must always say Avraham. And it's a law of Minatera. We are desecrating a mitzvah in the Tera that tells us we may not do that. We must only call him Avraham. And yet Yaakov gets to call both names. And the Reb Levik, the Rebbe's father, answered with that in a beautiful sense of humor that Avram got his name Avram from his father, Terach, who wasn't Jewish. So it wasn't a Jewish name. Ultimately, he was changed to Avraham by God, and this is now his Hebrew name. So he told him not to use a secular name. He had to change his social security card, everything. Yaakov was given by Yitzchak. It's given by Yitzchak. It's a holy name. And an angel gave him Yisrael, also a holy name. Therefore, the answers change. Sometimes Yaakov and sometimes Yisrael. And the Jewish nation is sometimes known as the children of Yaakov and the children of Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael. Chassidus explains these two names, Yaakov and Yisrael, symbolize the two levels, general level generalizations of Am Yisrael. There are times where the Jews are not living up to standards and therefore considered Eved Hashem, servants. And then there are times they do behave and they're considered children. When the Jewish nation is in the level of a servant, it's called Yaakov. Like it says, V'ata Shema Yaakov Avdi. Here, Yaakov, my servant. When they really behave and they're called Bain, children, they're called Yisrael. Beni Bechayri Yisrael, my son, my firstborn Yisrael. We also know, and we've said this many times, the story of Rebbe Akiva and Tunis Rufus. And Tunis Rufus said to Akiva, 
it is prohibited to give charity to a poor man. Not only that, it's punishable by death. And Akiva said, uh, how are you getting that? Where are you getting this from? And he said, I'll give you a mushal, emshalach a mushal. What was the mushal? Mashal was a king. A king had a prince, an only son. Sorry, king had a servant. And the servant was disloyal. And he threw him in prison. And he said, let him rot there, let him die of hunger. And as the days went by, someone came and snuck food to the prisoner, to the servant. And after several weeks, the king said, get the dead body out of here. To find that he was healthy and robust. King Sistoyat, how is this possible? What is this? He finds out that this fellow was feeding him. The king will have his head. To behead the man. How dare you feed a man that I said, I sentenced to death by starvation. And we know that the Eden are called servants of God. As we just cite, recited a pasuk, "Vata Shema Yaakov Avdi, Chilim Bnei Yisrael Avodim Avodayhem." Many different places where God refers to the Jewish nation as servants, and if you're servants, then just like that servant was destined to be, to be hungry and should not have had any food because God did not determine that he gets food, you may have no right to give him, and if you do as the king would do, you are punishable by death. Ah! Says Rabbi Akiva. Fool! Kili b'nei Yisrael avadim avadim b'nei b'chei Yisrael, the Rashid says, as we said now. The Jews are referred to God's firstborn. We are children. And your marshal is wrong. Because the real marshal is what would happen if the king sent his only son, the prince, to prison. And was so angry, he said, let the prince die of hunger in prison. And then after a few weeks, found out the prince was still alive. Because somebody actually fed him. At this point in time now, he has been, he's calmed down. Now that he's calmed down, he realizes, oh my gosh, my prince, my only son. What will happen? What will become of him? What has become of him? Where is he? Is he still alive? And when the king finds out, yes, he's still alive. And yes, in spite of his decree, someone was feeding the prince. I ask you, 
Don't you know what kind of reward the king would give for that? And we are killed children. We are the only child, each one of each, each and every Jew, is the firstborn son of God. And therefore, God does not want any of his children to starve. And by giving tzedakah, we are rewarded because we are doing something that God really would want. So the difference, therefore, between uh, between Eved and Ben is simple. One does the service to the master half-heartedly, sometimes, or even less, whereas the child does for the father with joy and love. The servant doesn't always want to do it. He's forced. It's his job. He gets paid. He'll get punished if he didn't. But deep down he doesn't want. He forces him, he does it. He has no choice. Whereas the child doesn't have that attitude. So these two situations are similar to the way one serves God. When a Jew can sit and study Torah, and to pray, and to do the mitzvahs and serve his Creator, through joy and happiness, like a child, or does he do it because he has no choice, like a servant? This is the Mila, the greatness of Yisrael over Yaakov. Now, when the Jew stands in a darga of Yisrael, in the level of Yisrael. He runs in joy and he serves God. He has no inner strife, no problems holding him back. The Yitzhahara is packed up in a little bag. But when he's Yaakov, and the Yitzhahara is not so happy, but I'm doing this for God. He needs to fight tooth and nail. And this is what he's considered serving God as Evid with Kabbalah soil. So it's self understood that the level of Yisrael is a completion. of which we need to strive. But it's not possible to ascertain until we pass the shlav, the stage of Yaakov. In other words, a Jew complains. It's hard for me to serve God. I don't always want to just get up and daven and do mitzvahs. 
and keep the Tater. Therefore, he needs to know this is natural. And this is the beginning of the path. It's not one shot that a person could just throw off the Yitzhahara and everything else that comes with it. So in the beginning, which doesn't mean the first few days, I mean the first few years, the Yitzhahara fights tooth and nail. He's at war with you. And he constantly proves to, to disturb you and not let you do what you need to. But when you stand up to him with force and with stolzkeit, then you can ultimately turn things around. And you accomplish things that you will run besimcha to do. And therefore, even after Yaakov gets the name Yisrael, we still need to have a Yaakov. Unlike Avram, which was totally nullified. Because this is according to the level of Yisrael, one needs to climb the level of Yaakov to get there. When the Friedrich Rebbe took the Rebbe into the room before the Chuppah, and tied the gartel around him of his ancestors. Donned the shirt of his ancestors as a kittel. But as he tied the gartel, he said, Now we are becoming tied. We are now becoming bound, bound, a perpetual bound, bind. And this is something that will last forever and ever. And in this way we become a kusher to the Rebbe as well. And the Rebbe to the Friedrich Rebbe, and therefore we are all chsidim of the Friedrich Rebbe as well. We are all mikusharim to the Friedrich Rebbe as well. And although his parents were not able to come and celebrate, this all-night wedding till 6 o'clock in the morning was a wedding that Warsaw will never forget. It was done in Warsaw because there was the yeshiva Temchatimimim and the Friedrich Rebbe wanted that the Kabbalah Spanim should be done and the Chuppah should be done in yeshiva. And then the meal was done in a hall. So may, may we merit with this Simcha May we merit to hear the bless of the Shefer HaGadol and go through this Simcha of the Rebbe Rebetzin's anniversary to the Simcha Amitiz Vashlema Ayidei Meshiach Tzitkenu Vuhu Yomei V'yigaleinu Bikarev Mamish L'chaim Shabbat Shalom to all.